This week on the show, we've got scammers over on Etsy, more problems for eBay, and some interesting happenings over at the United States Postal Service. What is up, Galaxians? Welcome to episode number 235 of the Galaxy CDs, Rocks, and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. My name is Ryan, and I will be your host as we wade through some reselling-related news. Uh, A little bit of stuff going on over at Etsy, uh, some updates at eBay, some things going on in the world of shipping that we'll get into. And then in the back half of the show, I've got a fairly small What Sold recap, so we'll cover some things that sold here over the last week. Uh, I am recording this once again a day late. I had a busy weekend. Uh, for those of you who paying attention to what my social life <laughs> might look like, uh, I was out of town with some friends for a hockey game up in Columbus on Saturday. We didn't get back until midday on Sunday. And then, of course, it was Super Bowl Sunday. So I was off once again to a party for that. So this is once again late. My apologies, as always. So let's just get right into this reselling news. News updates. So this has been going on for a while over at Etsy, and it continues to be a bigger and bigger problem. Uh, scammers posing as essentially Etsy customer service reps and trying to get people to provide their banking information. I actually uh, even received one of these messages last week from uh, someone purporting to be an Etsy customer service rep. So this is a pretty widespread problem, and Etsy seems to be really struggling to get it under control. This article is over on e-commerce bytes. Scammers are treating Etsy like an ATM over and over. There are reports of Etsy sellers being scammed by the same technique. They receive a message in their Etsy inbox telling them they need to verify their account. But unbeknownst to sellers, the message is not, of course, from Etsy. There are slight variations, but the gist of the scam is that the sender of the message uses the Etsy logo as their avatar. The one I got didn't even bother (laughs) to do that. It was just a blank avatar, which was the first thing that tipped me off that it was probably not actually from Etsy. Uh, And trick sellers into sending them money or providing their financial information. One seller wrote in, uh, got a message in my inbox. It looked legit saying I had made a sale, but it couldn't be processed because I needed to verify my bank account. That was basically the message that I got as well. And I knew I had already verified my bank account. I went into my account on Etsy just to make sure that it was still listed as having been verified. And it was. So that, again, clued me in. That the message that I got was a scam. This person was told that they needed to open a brand new account, which they did. They deposited money into it, and that money, of course, disappeared. Clearly, this article says there still isn't enough awareness around the issue. While the seller is mortified that she fell for the scam, she may be helping others avoid falling victim by posting her experience on the Etsy forum. And hopefully shows like this that bring additional awareness to it will help Some others also not fall for this kind of stuff. For the future, many scammers are posing as buyers, stating they need your email for an order. They do not. Of course, Etsy already has it. When you receive a legitimate order, it will appear in orders and shipping on your dashboard. If it isn't there, you have no order. Some of this, they're generally speaking, they're trying to prey on new sellers. I was 
frankly surprised that they reached out to me. I've got I don't, hundreds of sales and multiple years now on Etsy. So it's not like I'm some noob <laughs> that uh, would be likely to fall for this kind of thing. Uh, but they're just apparently trying it everywhere now. Uh, Mark, the scammers message as spam. This is key as well. If you're trying to participate in Etsy star seller program, these messages come across even the ones that are purporting to be from Etsy customer service, because of course they are not actually from Etsy customer service. They're coming from a, what appears from Etsy's perspective to be a customer account and a customer reaching out to you. You need to either reply to it or mark it as spam so that it does not affect your response rate for the star seller program. Uh, standard anti-fraud advice has always been don't trust emails purporting to be from marketplaces and don't click on a, any links that those may contain. Instead, sellers were encouraged to sign in independently to the marketplace and make sure the message appears in their inbox. But now even that alone is not safe. And again, in the in the case of my situation, I went into my financial information on Etsy under my account and it still was shown as verified, which again instantly told me that this was a potential scam and I marked it as spam and moved on with life. So be aware, this is at least right now predominantly on Etsy, but these folks will probably try to do this on other sites as well. Uh, when in doubt, uh, just mark it as spam and move on with life. If it's really Etsy <laughs> trying to reach you, uh, they will continue to do so and you'll get something that probably makes a little more sense. Some better news over on Etsy. Uh, if you watched the big game yesterday, you saw their ad about their new gift mode program. Uh, today's the day. We're marking making our debut at the big game later tonight. This was posted yesterday, of course. Uh, by the time you're hearing this, it could be weeks ago probably. But to build even more buzz around this exciting moment, we're giving shoppers $5 off orders of $50 or more with the code gift mode. This is good through February 14th, so just a couple of days. The code went live Sunday at noon. The discount is fully covered by Etsy. So this will not come out of your account or your proceeds. Totally funded by Etsy. If you ship to uh, the shoppers, pardon me, are in the United States, UK and Canada can save on these orders of $50 or more in whatever their local currency is. If you ship to any of the countries where we're running this offer and you use Etsy payments, you'll be able to take advantage of the promotion. Uh, Etsy is funding the $5 off for shoppers in those three countries to give shoppers another reason to discover great gifts on Etsy. You'll keep your full earnings. The promotion started on Sunday again and runs through Wednesday, February 14th at 11:59 PM us Eastern time. Shoppers can use the promo code gift mode. Once again, to save, there's no limit to the number of times a buyer can use it. And for shoppers to use the Etsy-funded discount code, they'll need to add the code at checkout where it says apply Etsy coupon code, not the apply shop coupon code section. That's because, again, this is funded actually by Etsy. Uh, we talked about last week on this show their new share and save link and that they were running a promotion with that, that you could get all of your fees covered if you sold something through that link. They're recommending, of course, that you use that method to promote this discount. Um, again, it's only good through the 14th, so you're going to have a pretty narrow window of time to try to take advantage of this, but it is running now. Moving over to eBay, uh, they continue to just run into one problem after another. This one has not risen yet to the level of any kind of legal action, but a group of trading card sellers is accusing eBay of retaliation over their support of the TCG Player Union. They also assert that the company is engaging in monopolistic practices. We talked on this show 
several months ago about TCG Player, the card company that eBay acquired, and that that firm was trying to unionize. And essentially what is happening here is that card sellers who appear to be in some way supporting the move to unionization are finding their accounts uh, suspended or deleted. A group of eBay sellers is accusing the company of union busting, saying it took action against their eBay accounts after they expressed support for the TCG Player Union, otherwise known as TCG Union. The 13 individuals and companies have published a letter they sent last week to eBay co-CEOs Robert Bigler and Jamie Inone, accusing the company of abuse of monopoly power over sellers, abuse of monopoly power over workers, and anti-competitive conduct. Again, at this point, it's just a letter, uh, but it could result potentially in legal action, so we'll, we'll have to see what eBay wants to do about it. The first half of the letter, this article, which is over on IGN.com, outlines a number of concerns about the growing monopoly the sellers believe eBay holds over the online card buying and selling industry, including multiple accusations that it has actively been trying to acquire or shut down competitors and stop sellers from using other platforms. The group then explains that TCG Player, which is owned by eBay, has been shutting down certain seller accounts over the last year without explanation, but it seems to be because of their support for the union. The letter says, quote, TCG Player has exercised its monopoly power through arbitrary suspensions, bans, and deactivations of seller accounts, often without any explanation, including those of several members of our group. The letter reads, this has led to a chilling effect on sellers' ability to exercise free speech to discuss potential alternatives to TCG Player, such as Card Trader or their support of TCG Player workers and the TCG Union. The fear of sudden and severe retaliation has even dissuaded some sellers from expressing any discontent with the state of the platform in general. In one case, a seller in our group had their account instantly deleted on a Friday night without any warning or apology due to a tweet that was taken out of context and misunderstood. That to me is way, way, way across the line, but that's neither here nor there. This caused the seller a significant burden to get his account restored and, of course, lost sales. TCG Player can act in this way as a direct result of the monopoly it has and actively maintains in the online trading card game marketplace industry. I don't sell trading cards, so I'm not, I don't deal with this particular group. I don't know. If you're a card seller, you can let me know if you're watching on YouTube in the comments down below. Are they big enough that you would think they are? wielding monopoly power in the trading card industry uh, of course if you're just listening to the pod you can also just email me directly galaxycds at gmail.com if you have a comment on that the sellers conclude by requesting contact from ebay and tcg player within two weeks to arrange a meeting to discuss remedies and ask that the company reinstate seller accounts guarantee freedom from retaliation and bargain in good faith with the union in addition to treating its sellers fairly. The letter was sent out on January 25th. The deadline was February 7th. And as of the time of this article, uh, eBay and TCG Player have not responded to them, nor did they respond to IGN's request for any comment. So the deadline has passed. I did not see any update to this. I'm sure something will be forthcoming, and I will update you as soon as I see it. This is just a quick update. Last week, I talked about the change to the way eBay was displaying feedback and that they were now including the term verified purchase, and that a lot of sellers, myself included, found this to be somewhat unnecessary. Apparently, 
There was so much discussion about this that eBay has decided that they needed to explain it. So they put up a quick post that we've added this text to remove any doubt that the person leaving the feedback was involved in the transaction. Unlike eBay, other sites allow anyone to leave feedback or ratings, not just those involved in the transaction. And that was something that I had mentioned when discussing this particular thing last week. Uh, They understand that experienced buyers and sellers may view the additional text as unnecessary. But interestingly, before implementing this change, surveys with eBay users showed that half, half of them did not know that feedback can only be left by those involved in a purchase. That blows my mind. (laughs) Uh, I, I would expect that there would be a number of newer users, people who are not regular users of eBay who might not have been aware of that. But the fact that 50% of the people they surveyed had no idea that this was an issue uh, is remarkable to me. So there you go. That's eBay's explanation for why they did this, because half of their customers were clueless. (laughs) Uh, That's probably harsh, isn't it? Anyway, moving on, the United States Postal Service reported their first quarter fiscal 2024 results, and they were not that great. Uh, They announced today their financial results for the first quarter of fiscal year 2024, which ran from October 1st to December 31st. The net loss for the quarter totaled a whopping $2.1 billion compared to a net loss in the previous year of $1 billion. So more than double the loss. Some of these results were negatively impacted primarily, they say, by non-cash workers' compensation expenses due to an actuarial reevaluation and discount rate changes, the amortization of unfunded retiree pension liabilities, and the continued effect of inflation on operating expenses. Controllable income, as defined below, and I'm not going to get into all the weeds on this. You can read this article. I will, of course, link to this and all the articles in today's show uh, down below was $472 million compared to controllable income last year of $187 million. So they say their Delivering for America plan is beginning to show some results. That, to me, is a staggering number, and it continues to show the problem with some of the things that Congress Congress has forced the post office to do, such as pre-funding their retirement accounts. Most of this loss... Last year and this year is attributable to things that are not operational expenses. They're long-term costs. The money still has to be accounted for, of course, but this is their, I guess you could say, they're making a little bit of money on their operations, but they're just losing tons of money on all of this future funding of these things. Revenue for the overall shipping and package categories increased $240 million or 2.7% on a volume increase of 98 million pieces or 5.1%. So they really had a good for them. It was first quarter for us. We would consider it to be fourth quarter. They shipped 5% more packages this year than last year. They note that ground advantage has had a pretty high take rate. A lot of people are using that. So that's all good news for them. Maybe there's some light at the end of the tunnel for the continued huge losses over at the United States Postal Service. Uh, Lord knows they keep increasing the rates to try to claw back some of that. So, uh, And speaking of which, <laughs> here it comes. Uh, watch out for a more costly postal zone coming in July, Zone 10. The United States Postal Service is going to make it more expensive to ship packages to Alaska and Hawaii by adding an entirely new postal zone. Sellers who offer free shipping, of course, may want to think about 
adjusting their product pricing to account for the structural cost change if they use the postal service to ship. Even an occasional shipment to a new Zone 10, of course, could become impactful. Sellers, of course, in those two states who source inventory materials and supplies from the contiguous United States are also going to have to factor in higher costs into their pricing. Zone 10 would be added in pricing tables for Priority Mail, Priority Mail Express, and USPS Ground Advantage products. Those are the ones that primarily use zones. Things like Media Mail, it's the same right now, at least across the country. Whether that remains the case is hard to tell because there is going to make a change in Priority Flat Mail rate, flat rate packaging, they would become more costly for this new Zone 10 than existing zones. A separate rate structure will be implemented to allow flat rate products, Priority Mail and Priority Mail Express, to have a separate price for Zone 10 and for Zone 9, which includes the freely associated states. Those are mostly like the territories like Guam and that sort of thing. If you want a refresher on uh, Postal Zones Pirate Ship, and there is a link in this article, has a guide zones. Essentially, for those of you who aren't familiar, indicate how far away a recipient is from the shipper. Zone 1, generally speaking, is within about a 50-mile radius, while Zone 8, which is currently about the furthest one out, is 1,801 miles. Zone 9 is, again, for those U.S. territories, some military addresses, and then this new Zone 10 is going to be Alaska and Hawaii. I I ship some stuff to those two. Again, 95, 98% of my shipping uh, for my store is on media mail because it's all books anyway. Uh, but this is uh, potentially, the rate tables aren't up yet. <laughs> so I can't tell you how expensive it's going to be, but I can only imagine that it's going to be a, a significant increase. They say in this article, they're intended to be 5% higher than zone eight after this, this recent January price increase. So expect to pay essentially 5% or thereabouts more for things going to this new zone. Uh, The article notes that the newspaper up in Alaska says that the Alaskan congressional delegation was not pleased about the change with one senator saying no state should be punished by the federal government because of geography. So there you go. That's coming down the pike. Uh, Normally, June, July is also the time frame where we see the second of the two uh, price increases that the Postal Service is implementing each year now. So this could be higher even than what this article is showing. Uh, Speaking of shipping, one last thing here. Uh, I have talked about this regularly. I am a big user of Pirate Ship. I know many resellers use it. One of the co-founders of the company is suing the company. A co-founder of Pirate Ship, the popular shipping program for small online sellers, is accusing his former partner of selling him short. The Jackson Hole News and Guide describes the allegations of a lawsuit that Jameson Morris filed against Bjorn Bortelsman, co-founder and CEO. The two started the company back in 2014, and in 2016, it secured a quote-unquote game-changing partnership with the U.S. Postal Service. This was what allowed them to offer the commercial and cubic pricing that made them so incredibly competitive for resellers. According to the report, Morris says in his suit that he sold his share in the company under duress in 2019, and he alleges that, I guess it's Bortelsman, Borstelman, easy for me to say, uh, had withheld certain information that kept him from bargaining for a much higher price. He claimed his shares at the time were worth between 43 and $86 million rather than the $3.5 million he received 
for his 15% stake in the company. So that is a massive, massive amount of money he's trying to get. Uh, I don't know. I have no idea what the profitability of Pirate Ship is with their agreements, but uh, one former partner suing the other. The motion, uh, the, the Pirate Ship has filed a motion to dismiss back on January 19th, saying that the claims are too vague and are seller's remorse. So keep an eye on that. I This does not strike me just right off the rip as being something that would put pirate ship in any potential jeopardy. Uh, but it's never good when someone comes at you looking for 40 plus million dollars. Oh man. So that is going to put a wrap on this week's news segment. Uh, let's get into a little bit of what sold. So this is another one of those weeks where there was a lot of stuff that went out of here. It was a hundred, I think, odd uh, listings that were sold over three platforms. So pretty happy with that, but not a ton of really big items. I think I might have seven or eight here, something like that. Big week on Etsy, one of the biggest weeks I've had on Etsy in quite some time. Mercari was down a little bit from the week before, but I had one nice sale over there that we'll get to in this segment. This first sale we're going to cover, this is over on Etsy. Quito Express by Ludwig Bemelmans. This was from 1965, illustrated hardcover. This was a library-bound edition, so it had the heavy-duty cover with the artwork directly on the cover rather than a traditional dust jacket over a regular kind of lightweight hardcover. Really nice children's book that I picked up at an estate sale probably six months ago for a dollar. This sold, again, over on Etsy for $22.99 plus shipping. Over on eBay, another of those Western books, the gift that just keeps giving for me. Uh, again, picked these up at an estate sale for an average of about $2 a piece. Rex Allen, The Arizona Cowboy by Bob Carmen and Dan Scaparotti. These two guys wrote a ton of books about the old kind of vintage Western films and serials and radio shows. I picked up a huge lot of these, and they've been selling just Terrifically, this was an illustrated paperback from 1982. I had it listed for $29.99 or best offer. It got a watcher. I sent out a 15% off offer and sold it for $25.75 plus shipping. This was a nice sale. Two more of those Western books. These uh, were sold together over on Etsy. Don Miller's Hollywood Corral, a comprehensive bee Western roundup. This was a first edition hardcover in its dust jacket, kind of a coffee table sized book from 1993. That one went for $39.99. And the other one is The Adventures of the Durango Kid starring Charles Sterrett. This is from 1983. It was an illustrated paperback. If I remember correctly, it was written by the same two guys who just wrote the book in the last one. That went for $29.99. So all in here, $50, $60, $70 plus shipping for two more of those books that I'm into for a total of $4. Another one on Etsy, A History of Chemistry from 1906, written by F.P. Armitage. This was published by Longman's Green and Company. It was a hardcover, illustrated in pretty mediocre condition. But again, it's a 100 and almost 20-year-old book, fairly hard to find. I had it listed for $34.99 and sold it for full price over on Etsy. This was part of a big lot of books that I own for $0.16. Cents. Here's another one uh, from a, a a pretty big lot of kind of religious-related books. Uh, a lot of like Seventh-day Adventist stuff and things that were published by the Review and Herald. This was the MV Pathfinder Field Guide 
by Lawrence Maxwell from 1962, published again by Review and Herald. It was an illustrated hardcover book. Uh, picked up at an estate sale for $2, sold for $39.99 plus media mail shipping over on eBay. Another old religious book. This was part of a lot that I've talked about several times on here. I'm into these for like two bucks a piece, part of a, a shelf that I essentially just scooped the whole thing into my Rubbermaid tub. This was The Golden Key of Heaven or A Manual of Prayer written by Reverend A. Zerbenson. This was a new edition, but this was published in like 1909. Leather bound. The leather was pretty rough. The pages were actually pretty reasonably clean for a book that's 100 plus years old. This sold over on Mercari for $45. Uh, Back over to eBay. V2 by Walter Dornberger from Viking Press. First edition illustrated hardcover published back in 1954. This was a book about the German V2 rocket that terrorized England during World War II, uh, but became kind of the the entry point for the U.S. space program (laughs) down the road. Uh, This was a fairly difficult book to find. I had one of the very few ones listed out there. There was a pretty broad range, though, of selling prices, so I left myself kind of a bigger range of window on this one than I normally do. I had it listed for $64.99 plus shipping or best offer. Usually, if I've got something listed for $65, I set my best offer minimum at about 55 to 58 dollars but for this one i i went all the way down to 45 bucks because there was such a broad range of pricing when i looked up comps i had gotten an offer months ago on this book for 45 dollars. i countered at 50 and the guy declined uh someone reached out this past week from the uk through the international shipping program and offered me $50 and I went ahead and took it. Uh, this was part of a big lot of books that I own from an estate sale again for $2. Another religious book, uh, James Robison Sender's edition, the open edition Bible King James version in black leather, fairly hard to find from 1979. Picked this up at an estate sale for a dollar about six weeks ago. Uh, there wasn't much at this sale. I think I got like three or four books, but this one was a winner. I had it listed for sixty nine ninety nine or best offer. Got a watcher, sent out my normal offer and sold it for $59.49 plus, again, uh, media mail shipping. And now your flip of the week. This is individually, these were not much. Uh, this is eight books that sold in a bundled offer over on Mercari. Mercari rolled out bundles I want to say it's been almost a year ago, and I've had maybe three or four bundled offers in all of that time. You can let me know if you're watching on YouTube down below in the comments. Do you get a lot of offers bundled on Mercari? Again, I have had very, very few, but this one was pretty good. And the the probably the best thing <laughs> about this is all eight of these books I picked up at an estate sale for an average about $1.25 a piece. The What they were doing at the sale was... Paperbacks were a buck. Hardcovers were two. I picked up about two dozen books at this sale, so it worked out all in to be about a buck and a quarter a piece. I listed these. I picked them up on a Thursday. I listed them on a Friday, and I got an offer on a Saturday. So literally within 48 hours of making an investment in these eight books of, what is it, eight, maybe 10 or $12 total, uh, I got an offer for $97 with free shipping for eight books seven of the eight were astrology books if you don't look at astrology and tarot stuff if you're a bookseller 
you probably want to add that to your list of things to research while you're out and about. Most of that stuff does reasonably well. These, again, were not individually huge money, $8, $10, $12 a piece. But again, with a cost of goods sold of a dollar, they're worth taking a look at. Uh, the other one was the uh, a Dayton sketchbook where an artist had done sketches of buildings of downtown Dayton. I got a real nice message from this buyer that she had once lived in Dayton. And in addition to being into astrology, uh, she wanted the book about Dayton. So there you go. The flip of the week, uh, call it $10, turned into 97 less, of course, shipping because all of my stuff over on Macari is free shipping. And that is uh, essentially that for the week. Uh, pretty good week. I'll take it. Uh, no complaints. Let me know down in the comments below how your week went. Uh, I always post every Saturday over on Instagram, if you're not following me over there, at Galaxy CDs Rocks, uh, how many listings I did, how many listings I sold, and ask for your feedback. I appreciate everybody who comments there on a weekly basis to let me know how your week went, uh, but you can always do that here as well. If you have any questions or comments that you would like to have me address in a future episode, please feel free to do that. As well, if you got something out of this show or just enjoyed the dulcet tones of my voice, <laughs> uh, you can do me a favor if you're watching on YouTube and hit that thumbs up. Uh, if you're not currently a subscriber to the show or a follower of the podcast, you can do that as well. I would very much appreciate it. Over on YouTube, memberships are available. On a normal week, this episode would be available to members first, uh, but because I'm late, I'm going to just publish this for everybody. Not to mention the fact that there are no members yet <laughs> to take advantage of that. So if that's something you're interested in, it's like $4.99 a month. It would help the channel out tremendously. Uh, and as always, feel free to share this with any of your like-minded reselling friends. The YouTube numbers have actually been pretty good, relatively speaking. This is no Mr. Beast channel, but I'm averaging over 300 views a show right now, uh, plus the 150-odd that the actual podcast gets. So things have been improving, but I would certainly like to be able to reach more people. So if you can help me out with that, that would be awesome. Uh, that's going to wrap it up, guys. I hope everybody's having a great week. And now it's time to sell. Thanks, guys. You have been listening to the Galaxy CDs Rocks and Flips Reseller Talk podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will catch you again next time.